This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is my interview with Thomas Baugh of Wolves Blog. He's on today to talk about Fulham signing of Raul Jimenez. I wanted to talk to Thomas. I've been on several shows with Thomas on the EPL roundtable. And I thought the best person to really tell Fulham supporters all about Raul Jimenez would be Thomas. So he's on today to give us his insight on the player and the person that Fulham are getting. Thomas, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Well, let's just get right into it. So this actually came as a little bit of a surprise to me. I started seeing this on Sunday, that Fulham were interested in Raul Jimenez. Now, people are obviously going to make the link to Mitrovic. I don't see it as that way. I don't see the two linked. I can understand why fans of maybe Wolves and Fulham are thinking that. I just see this as a player that I think that Marco Silva really wanted to get to Fulham as a piece of the puzzle. That's the way I'm looking at it. But I'm curious your thoughts on this when you heard the news that Raul Jimenez was leaving Wolves for Fulham. Yeah, I, I don't think there was any surprise in the fact that Raul was leaving Wolves. Um, I think much was made of the fact that he was likely to be going this summer. Wolves were keen to get his salary off the books. I think he was a £100,000 a week player, one of our best paid players. And there's financial problems at Wolves. Um, and, you know, he was he was actually crying when he was uh, applauding the fans at the last home game of last season because I think he knew his exit was kind of imminent in the summer. And um, yeah, so I think there's no surprise that he's left. I think it's more of a surprise for Wall supporters that he's remained in the Premier League. I think okay. there was a feeling that he might end up in the MLS or back in Mexico somewhere. Um, so it, it's probably a bit of a surprise considering maybe that he's coming in off one of his poorer seasons, well, definitely his poorest season for Wolves um, last season that, you know, a Premier League club would, would want to pick him up, really. But I suppose 
he's, he's developed a reputation over a number of years. Um, and I think, like you said, perhaps Marco Silva, you know, sees that he can bring him back to something like the form he's shown in the past. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, an element of surprise that where he's ended up, but not really a great surprise that he's, he's, he's leaving Wolves. Okay. And that's going to lead me to get your thoughts on the current Wolves manager, because I saw a report and I could be wrong on this, but I think I saw a report. Basically he was talking about the fact that he has nothing to do with transfers, but it seemed to me, if I'm reading between the lines, that he was not happy to see him go. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Am I reading into something, or do you think that is the case? Well, I think the manager is is concerned about what's happening at Wolves generally, because at the end of last season, he made it very clear that he felt that the squad needed significant strengthening um, if we were going to be able to achieve what he wanted to achieve with Wolves in the Premier League. And I think for Lopetegui, with the, the pedigree of manager he is, I think right. he, what he means by that is he wants to be in the top half of the Premier League, not scratching around in the relegation places at the bottom. Um, so I think the feeling was with him was that with, with so many players going, and there has been considerable outgoings at Wolves over the summer, um, that Raul actually, as the summer's evolved, he would have been a handy player to keep hold of. Um, just because he's, he's a good option to have. That being said, at the end of last season, Raul was there and the manager wasn't using him. So I think it's, it's a bit rich for the manager to come out now and go, well, you know, I, I, I would like to have kept him. But I think his comments on that were more about the, the squad in general right. and the, the numbers we're seeing going out without anyone coming in rather than, you know, this was a player I was really pinning my hopes on being, you know, important for Wolves in the coming year. Okay. What's interesting, Thomas, and you and I have been on EPL roundtable several times, and I reference you a great deal when I talk about Fulham and how that they can push on in the Premier League. And you tell me the cautionary tale of what happened with Wolves in the very beginning when you were at the Premier League. You, basically, it's about keeping your key players. And now you're having a little bit of an exodus. There will be a lot of players coming in. Why is that so? Is it really just comes down to a financial issue with Wolves? Because I don't want to see Wolves struggle. It's a, it's a team I've got to know you that I want to see be in the top half of the table. So is this really about money with Wolves right now? But does it really start with letting so many good players go? Yeah, well, I mean, it is. it comes down to recruitment. So, so it's 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 your buying and selling, and the, the fact is that Wolves came up to the Premier League with a very good squad. They right. made some very they made some very good acquisitions in that first summer. Jean Matinho, Raúl Jiménez, obviously. Um, there was Adama Traoré. You know these players. They had a value, but since we've been in the Premier League, our incoming business has not been good. And then gradually over time, we've seen good players you know, leave those key players who were a big part of the, the Nuno team. So it, it is about your recruitment. And ultimately, because we've bought badly, we haven't been selling, you know, we've been losing more on the players we, at the other end, you know, not getting the fees for them. A good example would be um, Goncalo Guedes, who we signed last summer for 30 million. Already, you know, we can't offload this guy and wow. he, he, we send him out on loan. So ultimately, it catches up with you if you, right. if you don't do good business. And then it becomes about the finances. So because our recruitment's been so bad and we've spent so much money on these players, we're trying to get rid of them. And we're in a position now where we've got to balance the books, you know. So. 
Yeah. Right. And this is something that I've talked a great deal on Cottage Talk that uh, I didn't want Fulham to get into the replacement game, Thomas. I want them to get in the building game. And I think part of it is what you're seeing with you at Wolves is that when you get into the this replacement game, that you have to hit. And if you don't hit, like you said, then you run into the problem that you currently have. So that's why it's funny because uh, I've been on this Metro kick. I don't want Fulham to sell because I don't want them to start the replacement game. I want them to start building and not replacing, even though I know the situation with Mitrovic is not good. I think it's valuable to keep him. And I look at your club and I know it's not a like for like, but when I look at the Jota move, I look at Mitro and I'm thinking, I don't want Fulham to go down that road. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we, we did discuss it last season, didn't we? And I think you kind of isolated Mitrovic and Polina. Um, but it was inevitable that there would be interest in those players because sure. they were playing at such a high level. And so I think there are people, a lot of people, analysts that would say, well, it's inevitable that Fulham are going to have to sell those players at some point because unless you're in the, you know, European football, then, you know, a player of Polina's quality, for instance, who was at the top of nearly every metric you could measure a really you know a brilliant midfielder by right. uh, last season he's going to attract interest from top clubs so i mean but what you would say is that you want from fulham's perspective you want the owners to stand firm demand the absolute maximum value you can get for those players which i think you've seen already because right. there's there's interest in and i think they're kind of doing that with mitrovic but you know the issue there is that if the player desires the move for whatever reason then it becomes very difficult for the club doesn't it so i think that's that's the problem. And players, as much as they're they're focused on the team, they're aware that they only get one career and you know, with the best will in the world, they try to maximize what they can what they can do. So it makes it, you know, when you're successful as Fulham were last season, this is always kind of um, an inevitability that you're gonna have to weather some storm to uh, you know to do it. But what I would say is that that first summer Wolves came up and finished seventh in the Premier League. Right. We were able to ward off the you know the the hunting masses uh, for that first summer, maintain the squad, and do very well again the second season. So it is I possible. Remember. Yeah, it is possible. So so hopefully you know Fulham can can do that, and um, as you say, build in the short term, and not just getting to you know losing one player and hoping they can replace them again. Because the reality is, if you sell Polinio or you sell Mitrovic, it's very hard to get a like for like quality player. Right. Um, you know, who's battle ready to go into the, you know, the high level of competition that is the Premier League. No, very good points, Thomas. And uh, thank you for all that. So let's get back to talking about Raul Jimenez and let's talk about how have the supporters reacted to his move to form. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of goodwill and sentiment towards Raul for two reasons. Firstly, you know, he was probably the best number nine we've had at the club in the modern era um you know based on those first uh you know two and a half seasons he was at the club where he was scoring regularly he was one of the top strikers in the premier league again by any metric you want to judge strikers goals assists link up play um he was you know superb and then obviously he had that horrendous injury um you know that he's something that no footballer no sports person should have to deal with you don't expect to get injuries of that nature um you know, but the way he fought back, uh, came back and, and, and actually, in, in my opinion, had a very good season in that first season back, um, factoring in everything, you know, that, that was 
around that particular injury that he had. Um, to, you know, come back and play at the elite level in the Premier League was was something to be admired. And, you know, he's one of these players who really embraced the area. I mean, Wolverhampton's not London. It's not an affluent area, but he, he lived in the area. His family, his kids were born in, in Wolverhampton and he, he had an affinity for the club. And, it, you know, it was just a mutual, you know, respect. And obviously he was at Wolves at a time of great success. You know, he made it to the, you know, the Europa League quarterfinal and, um, you know, did very well in the Premier League for two years. So he was a big part of that. So very sad in that sense. But I think, you know, most Wolves supporters would have said, all things considered, now is not a bad time for him to be for him to be moving on for himself because he'd kind of fallen down the pecking order at Wolves. Right. Um, and I think he needed some fresh impetus. Um, and, and obviously the hope was for Wolves that they were gonna they were gonna bring in a replacement with, with whatever money we could uh, you know generate with his sale. So it's a good move for Raoul. I think it's a good move for Wolves and I, I think it's a good move for Fulham. So it's one of those things where I think it should suit all parties really. And that's what you want, Thomas. You want a win-win for everyone. And I think we might have that. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show, what type of player Fulham could be getting with Raul Jimenez. But before we do that, I want to go back and I want to talk about Raul Jimenez, the person. And I was uh, recommended to watch Code Red. And I got to tell you, if you watch Code Red and anyone listening or watching this, please do watch it, the actual video, because... It is heartbreaking to watch, but you also get to see the love of the supporters for Raul. You get to see a, learn a lot about Raul. I got to learn a lot about Nuno. There's so much in it, but I think you really get to see, as you said just a, a few minutes ago, how much he enjoyed his time at Wolverhampton. I mean, he made himself part of the community. I think what Fulham are getting, based on what I watched and what you've told me, we're getting a quality person, Thomas. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You, you are getting a quality person. I think when he when he came to Wolves, he very much said because he, he'd been at Atletico Madrid, he'd been at Benfica, um, and he'd not really had the opportunities there that he wanted, and he felt that he he backed his own ability. And so when he came to Wolves, he said, "I just want to feel like an important player in the team. I want to lead a team and show that I can be the the main man, the main centre forward." So he came with that determination. And, you know, he, he achieved that very much, as we said. But, you know, when he had that setback, uh, and he's a serious setback, you know, a career-changing injury, um, like I say, the, the, that, that shows you everything you need to know about the man, that he's able to lift himself up from that and, and come back. Um, and I never got the sense with him that it was about, I want to come back to have my career, and obviously the, the you know, the financial aspects of that and what the implication would have been had he not come back. I think with him, it was he needed to play. He's a competitor. It's what he loves doing, being out on right. the pitch. And I, I think, you know, that that comes across in, in Code Red as well, doesn't it? And, um, you know, you, you are getting a top quality person. He's never he's never really put a foot wrong at Wolves. There was a, a slight question mark at the start of last season because he clearly wanted to go to the World Cup with Mexico. Um, and the supporters felt maybe... You know, he was kind of hedging his bets a little in recovering from his injury, kind of timing it more so he could make that Winter World Cup than, you know, than, than get back and, um, you know, play for Wolves. But that that's that's all rumour and conjecture anyway. But, but of course, like I say, he, his connection with the fans has never been anything but superb. He's, he's what a fan favourite. His song is always going around the stadium. And he's always been very mutually respectful, applauding the fans before and after the games and, 
yeah, the, fam the, the Wolves fans love him. And, you know, it's him and his wider family, you know, his partner right. and his kids. That, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'd, I'd never like to use the term family club because it kind of suggests a kind of small, a small club, doesn't it? When I, I don't think, I don't think Wolves are a small club, but, uh, no. but, he, but he certainly cultivated that idea of sort of one, one family, the Wolf Pack. He kind of personified that, really. Okay, excellent stuff. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to talk to Thomas about Raul Jimenez's career at Wolves and then what type of player are Fulham getting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, Thomas, we're back. So let's now talk about, we're going to go before injury and then after injury. So let's talk about his time before the injury. Scored a ton of goals for Wolves. I've actually watched the highlight package. Some unbelievable goals. Raul Jimenez scored for your side. And you actually said this to me in a messages going back and forth that you truly believe that if he did not get injured, he might end up with a Champions League side. That tells you how well he was playing for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there was two seasons in the Premier League. The second season, he got something like, I don't know what he got, 28 goals or something in all competitions, 17 in the Premier League, I think. He was at the absolute top of his game. And I was very surprised in that summer because that was the summer that Jota went to Liverpool right. for 42 million. I was very surprised no one came in with a similar sort of offer uh, for Raul Jimenez. I think Wolves kind of priced him out of the move. Um, I think he was kind of agitating a little bit for a move because I think he, he'd seen links with Man United and other teams. And he, he was doing that thing of talking in the press about he'd be open to move. So I think he thought that move was coming um, and then for whatever reason, it didn't materialise. And Wolves ended up signing him to a new long-term contract, which which was actually to his benefit, you know, because he, he not too long after, he, he kind of had that injury and, um, you know, it probably gave him a bit of security having that, that contract, contract right. on better terms. But yeah, he was a, you know, fantastic player. He, he led the line very well. Uh, Wolves played with a kind of, you know, one up front, we, we were a counter-attacking team. So quite a lot of the time, he was the only guy at the pitch. And it was he was having to make things out of very little. Um, and, and, and then act, you know, react very quickly when Wolves were breaking at speed and getting himself into good positions in the box. Um, and he was a creator as well as being a scorer. You know, he 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 made a lot of assists. He was a very, he was a fantasy football favourite, I think, for those, those two seasons. <laughs> You know, he was accruing a lot of points uh, that way. Just a very complete striker. He yeah. didn't do, he, he's, not, he's not like rapidly fast. He's not incredibly strong, but he's, he's just got a bit of everything. He's just a very good technically sound footballer. Um, you know, and when he, was, when he was bang at it, he, he was one of the best strikers in the Premier League. I mean, you've obviously, you've got your Harry Kane's, 
you've got your you know your well you've got your Haaland's now I suppose I don't think he was quite at that level but certainly when you go down the run and maybe you compare to someone like an Ivan Tony at um you know at Brentford and, and Mitrovic I suppose to an extent right. at Fulham um, a player who's just below maybe that that rung on the ladder. That that's where he was at at the absolute pinnacle. So it would have been would have been no surprise at all to me to see him play for an Arsenal or a Man United or you know another top European club. Wow, very interesting stuff there. And I, I think that I agree with you that he was on that path. So I don't want to really go into talking about the injury. It's funny because when I watched it on Code Red, it actually it really bothered me watching it. And you and I messaging back and forth i know your thoughts about the player who was also involved and i actually agree with you i don't want to really focus on that i want to focus on his return so his return i'm glad that you already said this you believe that when he did return to wolves a year later that he actually had a good season it was the season after that that he dropped off so i'm curious why you saw this drop off and i'm also curious how much of a factor do you think Nuno leaving affected Jimenez because on Code Red, I could see the affection between the two of them. Did this have an effect on him in his playing? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult one to know. I mean, I would imagine if there was an effect in that first season, it probably would have been more to do with the kind of psychological effects um, of, of dealing with a different manager. I think what Wolves did quite well when Nuno left is that Bruno Large, who came in after brought a certain level of continuity. He didn't really radically change the style of the club. So I think on the pitch, the tactics still suited Raul reasonably well. Um, he was, you know, it was, it was a similar sort of setup and drill. But yeah, I mean, Nuno was, you know, was very emotionally connected to that whole thing as he's, as he's shown in Code Red. So I imagine it would have, it would have changed something in him. Um, but, I, but, you know, it's clear when he came back that it was... You know, he was changed inextricably. He was never going to go back to being the, the old Raul Jimenez because visually, immediately looking at him, he's got this big headband on. Um, you know, he can't, with the best will in the world, he's not going to stick his head into the areas of the, uh, you know, of a crowded penalty area when there's boots flying, when he's, you know, he's, he's had brain damage effectively right. Um, right. in, in his... Uh, you know, in, in his recent past. So with the best will in the world, he was forever changed as a player. Because if you look at the goals he was scoring immediately before he got the injury, he was towering over players. He was jumping over defenders, was smashing headers in. He was putting himself into these areas where number nines go um, to score goals, you know, in that tunnel of uncertainty between the goalkeeper and the, and the defence across that, you know, six-yard box. So he was... He was changed forever and you, you could see in that first season he wasn't going to win the headers in the same way and when he was getting up and you know getting his head on the balls you were finding they were kind of going a bit squiff and I think that's because obviously he's wearing his apparatus right on his head which which over time has actually slimmed down and it's become less and less and it's it's less noticeable now than it was but um but clearly that's that's the big area of his game uh, which is obviously completely understandable. You have a serious head injury like that. Right. Every time the ball's in the air, even if you've got the best will in the world, you're not going to attack that ball as aggressively as you would, you know, prior to having had that injury, especially when you know what's what's at stake. So, okay. Okay, very good, my friend. All right, so that's going to lead us to talk about what type of player are Fulham getting here. Now, you already talked about what he has been like after the injury, and it's a terrible injury, and I... 
wish him only the best, and I and I want him to succeed in the worst possible way. But in your opinion, what type of player do you think Fulham are getting right now? I, I still think he's a fairly complete player in the sense that he's he's very good at manipulating the ball. He's very good at taking up good positions in the in the penalty area. He can come and get involved with the play. He can actually can run in behind. He, he can still do, you know, a bit of everything. Um, my feeling is generally that if you play in a team where you, you're playing higher up the pitch and you can get the ball to him in, you know, in and around the penalty area, I still think he's going to score goals. I still think if the chances are created, he will get, he will convert them if you get the ball at his feet in the right areas. Um, and that's where Wolves fell short badly in recent years. I mean, you only have to look at our offensive numbers. We don't score goals and we don't create very many chances. So it's, <laughs> right. You know, it's uh, I think his deterioration, you, you can look at it and go, well, Wolves aren't scoring because Raul wasn't scoring. Or you can go, well, Raul wasn't scoring because Wolves weren't creating. And I'm more of that school of thought. My, my feeling with Raul was we're not getting the ball to him in the right areas uh, of the pitch to, to, you know, to give him the type of chances he needs to score goals. That's not to say he didn't miss chances. He... he yeah. He did miss chances, but he, he I still feel in the right team he, he can be a ten to fifteen goal striker. Um, wow. if 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 he's getting, you know, the right level of um the chances. I mean what I would say the concern would be if I was a Fulham supporter, is if he is the replacement for Mitrovic. If it is Mitrovic going and they're hoping Raul can come in, the obvious discrepancy you've got there is that Mitrovic was the biggest probably the you know, biggest towering striker in terms of headed goals and right. aerial duels won in the attacking third uh, of the pitch is you obviously you're going to drop off in that numbers because sure. he he's he's not going to do that. I mean, even when even before the injury, he wasn't really a player who you know dominated defenders and won loads of headers and brought others into play. That wasn't really his that wasn't really his game anyway. But it's certainly even less so. So I mean, I think. If you're playing him instead of Mitrovic, then I would expect that the the style of the team to have to evolve yep. to compensate, for, you know, to compensate for that. But you know, Fulham did well last season you without know, him. Yeah, without without Mitrovic, so there's no reason that you know that that the style of play can't can't suit him, and you can't get the best out of him in that system. But you know, I mean, on, on a plus, you know, just to counter that, what you are getting is an exceptional penalty taker. Oh. Uh, I think, I think, <laughs> I think if you uh, we could use that, Thomas. Yeah, we could use yeah. that. I don't think he's ever missed in the Premier League. For wow, that's only, actually really good. Yeah, the only penalty he's ever missed for Wolves, annoyingly, was in the Europa League, the oh. final against Sevilla. Uh, oh. but, but if you if you watch on YouTube, his technique, yep. you know, he's got that nice sort of stuttering run up, and he waits for the goalie. Yep. He he nearly always scores. So, well, he always scores in the Premier League. I think he's got a hundred percent record. So. I know Mitrovic, and you know you missed some penalties last season. So um, you know maybe there's a maybe there's a plus there for you. Yeah, that would actually be a plus, Thomas. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I really, again, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I have been on this kick that he's not a Mitrovic replacement; that he's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think if he's used correctly, Thomas, and I know that you've watched Fulham a little bit. One thing I will say is that when players come to play under Marco Silva, he does get the best out of them. So many players have improved, and I think that's the thought process here. And ironically, there was a lot of speculation with the future of Marco Silva 
last Saturday night. And ironically, the next day after I think a meetup with the owner, he is now, now all of a sudden Fulmer interested in Raul Jimenez. I'm actually thinking that the meeting between the Fulham owner and then of course Marco led to some movement here because I, I saw an interview with Raul and he said this happened within 72 hours. So the timeline tells me I'm speculating, but I think this is Marco's pick. I think Marco really wanted him, Thomas, and that to me is a good sign. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that is. I mean, I think um, I think he's just a good fit all around. I mean, as I said, I, I, I think Raul, you need to get the, the ball to him in the right areas of the pitch. And I think Raul said himself when he signed for the club, he likes Craven Cottage, he likes that pitch. You know, like it's one of those grounds where I think it suits certain players, like technical right. players. And, and I just feel it is a good, it's a nice match for them. I can see him doing very well, particularly in those home games. Uh, where the pitch can seem a bit tighter and it can become quite a technical game right. across the cottage. I, I think that will suit him. So maybe that's that's the thinking. And I mean, you know, going back to what we said about the aerial the aerial stuff and the you know the potential strength of Mitrovic against you know perceived weakness of Raul's game. Um, you know, they're not idiots. The people who run these clubs, they run <laughs> these kind of you know they run these statistical analysis. And, and you know, Marco Silva's a shrewd coach, um, and he will know exactly you know, the style of the play that he wants. And if it is a case that Raul's going to be the man leading the line, he'll know exactly what he's going to get from him. He's not like he hasn't watched football for the last two, three years and, you know, isn't aware of the, you know, the the major attributes and the shortcomings of these players. So I I, I, th- I just think it's smart business. I know you, you picked him up for a, for peanuts, really, in terms yeah. of money. It's as close as you'll get to a free transfer, uh, yeah. you know, without being a free transfer. So I just think it's a... It's a no-brainer, and it's not the only signing Fulham are going to make this summer. Um, so you know, the, the, it's going to be there's going to be changes there, and it's just exciting, you know, to see how it all slots together and, and what the plan is. Uh, well, thank you for sharing all that, Thomas. I do want to just share just one detail because I did mention that I knew that the uh, Fulham manager and the owner were speaking. I was actually at an event. I've not shared this publicly. I'm going to say this now. I overheard a conversation that uh, basically was that Marco Silva was uh, meeting with Shah Khan because Shah Khan apparently was possibly going to an event I was going to be at. He couldn't be there because he was meeting with Marco. And then the next thing you know, the next day everything is on the right plane with Fulham and Marco Silva. And then all the talk of Jimenez starts. So I think this is all positive. I think that he is a player that Marco wanted. And that's a positive sign for me, my friend. All right. Well, Thomas, listen, thank you for talking with me for about a half hour. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. No problem at all, Russ. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully speak to you in the season when it's, uh, it's going well for both of us. Fingers crossed. I hope so. I hope it goes well for both sides. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of College Talk. Thank you so much for my very special guest, Thomas Baugh from Wolves Blog, but it is time to go. My name is Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, part of the TalkSport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.